the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Uh, if we faked you out last week, we had a uh, we we were on at seven and at one. So thank you, WHK. Great group of guys here. Uh, anyway, so let's. Uh, it's I like this global warming. I'm really liking it. Anyway, a couple uh, quotes just to get us thinking in a positive manner. My most brilliant achievement was my ability to be able to persuade my wife to marry me. Winston Churchill. By the way, it's the same case. Uh, it's same situation in my case. Uh, but, uh, if my wife's listening, <laughs> this is a robot. Anyway, uh, try not to become a man of success, but rather to become a man of value, Albert Einstein. And minds are like parachutes. They work best when open. That's Lord Dwar. I think it was Thomas was his first name. Uh, as always, our friends at WHK provide us with, uh, podcasts. And so if you go to WHK 1420 AM, and go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes and Smart Investor Show. You'll you got all my uh, shows going back a long time. So if you ever were to fact check me, <laughs> since they're doing it to the president like every minute, uh, you know you can you can fact check me. Um, I would also suggest that you can go directly to my webpage from there. So if you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee, talk about things, or get any of the information that we talk about here, uh, such our top ideas, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. Uh, uh, you know, we have our, our preview to 2020, and it must be good because I've only had one person call in for it. And then, you know, I keep talking about uh, uh, our newsletter that comes out every uh, month. And this one's about social uh, responsible investing. And what else did it have? It's got uh, hindsight is 2020 <laughs> going into the year. And, uh, you know, I always talk about the uh, uh, the smart investors credit handbook and i'm telling you that is a important thing a very important thing so anyway um you know i i i talked last week about uh the secure act and i you know if you don't know what the secure act is i send a newsletter out to everybody that's on my list so if you want to get on my list hit the contact me or email me by going to whk 1420 down to local podcasts you go directly to my webpage, um, and I, st- I said I talked about oil and gold, and gold got, got overbought very, very quickly. And just so you know, I also said, though, that the dollar looked like it was going to rally a little bit, and it has, and I think it's going to continue for a couple more weeks, okay, because dollar rallies usually last that long. Uh, so what that'll do is that'll give you the ability probably – to buy oil and and gold stocks a little bit cheaper because as the dollar goes down, commodities go up. Foreign stocks go up. It'll give you a chance to buy some foreign stocks too. So just remember that. Don't forget, you probably have a couple more days on the dogs of the Dow, uh, so don't, don't forget that. You know, they always say, as the first week goes, so goes the year. Well, we're in pretty good shape for the year so far, I think. Uh, we're up about 3% or 2%, I'm sorry. The bullish percent was up huge this week. So just remember that. Also, I'm not allowed to use this name, unfortunately. Our our lawyers uh, decided against it. But Bloomberg Business Week has a business cover, and they have a company that's burning money. And I would suggest by looking at the chart, it's hit a bottom. <laughs> so if you want to know what that name is, you got to call me. Uh, and it's 888-223-7742. You know, uh, 2019 was an interesting year. The uh, The yield curve largely spent the whole time in an inverted basis. Um, and that just means that the short-term interest rates are higher than the long-term interest rates. And the question is, will we have a repeat performance this year? So there is uh, 
I, I think it's a good time to tune up your portfolios. And if you would like, we put out a newsletter called the Municipal Market Insights. For you, of you people that buy municipal bonds, tax-free bonds are a great way to invest, okay? Uh, if you'd like to get that, uh, just call me or email, you know, email me or, you know, on my webpage, it has contact me and all that good stuff, and we'll just send it out to you. But, you know, look, I, I was talking about preferreds, and, and by the way, there was a big thing on uh, uh, CNBC last week about preferreds, and, and back way long ago, I talked about buying preferreds. You know, there's some preferreds out there that, you know, for example, uh, a very large insurance company that's yielding 460 and, uh, you know, that's it's a, what they call perpetual preferred, so it's going to be around for a while. And, you know, uh, just so you know, they're available, and if you'd like to know more about that, like I said, our municipal bond port, uh, uh, bond uh, desk is phenomenal. So, uh, you know, I'll just highly recommend uh, that if you're buying bonds or looking for fixed income, uh, we have some interesting stuff. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, the climate scenario, the climate threat, the global warming, there's a thing called sustainable bonds and loans. And man, there's a huge outstanding volume of sustainable debt now. It's about $1 trillion. And there's some interesting yields there. Okay, so that's a thing that I've been looking at very, very closely. Uh, you know, it ranges from borrowers from the French government to Royal Dutch. So uh, think about it. You know, look, the wealth creator, uh, I think you got to think about this. If, you, if you've seen from the long arc of history, the rate of change has been accelerating. This holds important implications for society investing and has been significantly affected the United States' economic output over the last century. Over the long term, real GDP th- uh, growth per capita has been accelerating from 0.5% in the 1650 to 1800. From 1800 to 1850, it grew at 1.0%. And now in the 50, 1950 to 2019, it grew at one9 so it's tripled. That's a lot, okay? And this speed of innovation, I think, is paramount in the growth of the GDP because there's the population growth is big, too. So somebody asked me, uh, you know, what have you done for me lately? Well, look, I talked about semiconductors last May, and then I talked about them again this summer, and, and they led the, for the last, uh, I want to say, quarter four. They were the, the top-performing group. Um, we also talked about gaming and Internet, and they were uh, three and uh three and five and protection safety was on our uh, favorite uh, sector list. And that's tied for fifth uh, oil and oil service. You know, I said a couple weeks ago, don't get too bearish. And that's when they, they three weeks ago, actually, and, and uh, started offering our best ideas. Look, the dollar's rallying a little bit. They're going to give you another chance, I think. So uh, that's something I'd be looking for. You know, the money market score on the Dorsey Wright system got to 1.52. That's the lowest it's been in about four years. And for those of you who are socially conscious, I just want you to know social responsibility um, has, has, the risk level is, is very low, but it's also been one of the 20, uh, well, it's not been one of the top performers, so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, international small cap's been looking good, especially Russian small cap, a contrarian strategy, technology, industrials, and aggressive growth, and healthcare have been the top uh, areas. So there we go. Last year we did this, and we, we he, this uh, gentleman has a pretty good uh, track record. Mark Mahaney's constantly on CNBC. He, his, he had his top 10 internet surprises. So this is going to be for 2020. Netflix subs add accelerate in 20. Google's operating margins are flat up to in 20. Uber and Lyft achieve profitability. That'd be interesting. Uh, 19, uh, the 2019 IPOs wore back. That would be really interesting because there's a lot of good ones there. The winner of the 2020 U.S. presidential election is determined on the Internet. That's not a surprise. No material regulation, regulatory action is taken against the major Internet platforms in 2020. Amazon's profitability plummets in 2020 like a violin. Uh, the Internet gains another dividend player. I, they think it might be Facebook or Expedia. The iBuyer uh, market demonstrates explosive growth and profitability, benefiting Zillow and Redfin. And then finally, Spotify successfully con- concludes its label negotiations and the two-sided marketplace files and spots gross margins expand. Uh, so there we go. Now, we also have um, Byron Wien, who's been doing this for a long, long time at BlackRock, uh, and they've allowed us to, 
talk about his 10 surprises for 2020. Here's what he says. The, the economy disappoints the consensus forecast, uh, cast, but a recession is re, uh, avoided. Concepts of inequality and climate change become most important election themes, but centrist ideas prevail. The House of Representatives sends article impeachments to the Senate, but Donald Trump is not convicted. There is no comprehensive phase two trade deal with, with Japan, uh, China. The prospect of self-driving cars is pushed further into the future. Emboldened, <laughs> emboldened by the pain of economic san- sanctions, I- Iran capitalizes on lack of American leadership abroad by stepping up acts of hostility against Israel and, and Saudi Arabia. Even though some observers believe valuations are stretched, a serve, surge in investor enthusiasm pushes the standard poor's above 3500 sometime this year, even with earnings growth only at 5%. Big tech companies face growing political scrutiny and social blowback. Uh, once the market leaders, certain FANG stocks underperform and the equal-weighted S&P 500 outperforms. That means the smaller names outperform, just so you know. Having secured a workable Brexit deal, the United Kingdom turns out to be the winner in its divorce from the European Union. The bond bubble starts to leak, but negative rates continue abroad, even though the U.S. economy is slowing. That's interesting. The problems with the Boeing 737 MAX are fixed and deliveries begin. The plane becomes a fixture around the world. Uh, that would be really interesting. <laughs> so those are those are our internet predictions from us and BlackRock's Byron Ween. He's been doing it for years. You know, I looked and I've been talking about healthcare quite a bit. And in the fourth quarter, uh, healthcare gave the best return over the last three months. It was up nineteen point nine percent. I had a bunch of biotechs go up a, a big during that period of time. Constellation tripled, uh, Intercellular tripled. Uh, Aranea tripled. By the way, these are all followed by uh, RBC, so they're uh, more of your Vegas money, obviously. But um, next was uh, semiconductors. Um, as a matter of fact, we talked about insider buyers on the best semiconductor stock of the year, and we we own some. So uh, still own it, as a matter of fact. And then uh, I noticed that aerospace and defense, the relative performance has started to pick up, obviously because the Iranian thing, but um, – Two or three of the ETFs broke double tops this week, uh, so that's that's very very good. Be interesting to see if they pull back at all. The other thing I noticed on Thursday, or no, this is Wednesday. I'm sorry, is that Bitcoin returned to a uh, a buy signal. You know, Bitcoin uh, had got creamed uh, back in the early parts of 2008, and now has uh, broken a, a double top. And it's pulled back. Now it's it's in a you know. It broke out. Now it's pulled back, so it's got a hold here. Uh, so it's kind of a, a, an interesting trade for those people who like that. But, you know, it did cr- get just creamed uh, in 2018. It, it went from almost 20000 down to, to 2000 Then it bounced up to 13000 Now it's at 8000 bouncing again, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but it's been a lost co- commodity for uh, a decade for commodities, and it'll be interesting to see how low interest rates can go. We're going to be right back. This is uh, the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. Uh, Once again, if you'd like to have a cup of coffee or talk uh, about your portfolio or start a wealth plan, you know, we have this wealth plan that's interactive. So you and I can talk about it on the phone and look be in two different places. It's really kind of nice. You can make changes on it, and I get a, a an email directly right after. So it's it's really kind of interesting. So anyway, um, you know, uh, following uh, terrorism or a, a war like scenario, what what happens normally? You know, um, we had a lethal U.S. drone strike that killed Iran's top general, as you probably all know by now. And Iran's, uh, you know, they basically hit a U.S. base, but, you know, nobody's talking about the Boeing 737 that they blew up. Uh, so overall, the financial markets have not reacted much to this U.S.-Iran conflict. And uh, despite the serious nature of the developments and the meaningful risks that linger, that's what I don't understand. Are they too complacent? I don't know. The S&P fell 6.2% on average in the 18 major post-World War II Military conflicts. 
Uh, and if we studied the previous geo, uh, geopolitical conflicts, it indicates the market's reaction lasted an average of only 30 days, but it was down pretty hard. Now, at times, equities weakened during the run-up to a geopolitical uh, conflict as tensions mounted th- and then recovered soon after. Now, we haven't had that. We've been going up, 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 up. So it's too early to tell if the uh, U.S.-Iran conflict has uh, sufficiently dis- de-escalated, but um, it add risk to, to the early year turbulence, let's put it that way. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, energy picked up and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But look, if you look at foreign equities, there's very few people who – there's lots of people talking about them. There's really few – they were invested in them three years ago. Now they've taken all the money out. So there's a low sentiment surrounding foreign stocks after a decade of underperformance. And, you know, technically, I look at the re- recent charts suggest a slowly changing trend. It's moving with the dollar. So what's going to happen is the dollar is rallying a little bit here on the war or the worries of a war. So they'll pull back a little bit. So won't gold. So won't oil. And that's maybe what you want to use that, you know, weakness period. Remember, you want to buy on weakness. Buying on strength sometimes, uh, you know, in, in, unless you're a momentum guy, and then you're going to buy high, sell higher, that's okay. Uh, a stronger currency serves to increase returns for foreign investors and thus attracts overseas funds. And that has been largely been true for the U.S. dollar since 2011. But it reached its highest level late in 2016, and it's been trending sideways, actually made a lower high just recently. But as I said, it was fairly oversold, so... The fact that it's bouncing doesn't surprise me. So, um, look, I, I think Beijing, Beijing uh, you know, what they did was they lowered the reserve requirement for their banks. So I, I got this feeling that we may have a bull in a china shop coming up. Uh, and, you know, I, I looked at the chart of uh, several of the different uh, ETFs that, that we, uh, we look at uh, for China and a couple of them are in, you know, like triangle patterns, uh, you know, you know, like the Shanghai Stock Index and that type of thing. And a couple of them are looking like they're they're in a, like a big U-shape uh, rounded bottom. So it'll be interesting to see if China takes off um, and, and we'll, you know, we'll be looking for it, obviously. Um, now, uh, gold, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, you want to shine up your gold ideas. And I still think it's a good idea, but you got to understand Every time I talk about it, in the next two weeks, it goes up 20%. So it just made another, you know, a big move. I mean, it was like 10 12% in, in a week or two. So, uh, you know, it, it's entered an extreme overbought zone again. So it's probably going to go sideways. Be, and I think what it has to do is break above the old level. And it's, it didn't do that this time because, it, became, it you know, went up very fast. So I think it's going to, you know, move around a little bit. So, like I said before... Don't be chasing things. Uh, you know, what you want to be doing is looking for uh, periods where they come back to you, okay? So everybody asked me, you know, what are you going to do this year? And, you know, our friends at uh, Marshfield had, they were up thir- 38% this year. Wow. What a big uh, what a big year. Uh, assuming that you invested with them for a couple years because it takes a while for them to get uh, invested. But, you know, what are going to be the big stocks for next year? Well, you know, uh Ch- there's a lot of stocks that are up a lot. Um, you know, some big winners from last year, uh, and I, I'm not allowed to mention them, so I won't. But um, I look at some of the names, and, you know, uh, there's one that looks extremely attractive right now. And, uh, uh, you know, it was one of the big winners last year. But, you know, it, it's been hard to uh, – um, well, let's put it this way. There's not as many low-hanging fruit this year as there was going into last year. So uh, now I, I did have a great question about the communications sector. And, you know, in my p- opinion, um, there's one stock in that communications sector uh, that will probably lead the way, will be the new leader in the communications sector. So uh, I, I I own a lot of it. Uh, most every one of my clients own it. And... Uh, I think they're going to continue to own it for a while. So, so look, I, I think what we have here, uh, I listened to Bob, uh, Rob Schleimer this week, and Rob uh, used to be RBC's head technician, and he's now with uh, Fundstrat with Tom Lee. 
And I think you have a bullish secular backdrop for 20 into the 2030s. All right. So this is a long term bull market. This is a secular bull market. And what's really important to you right now is that the four year cycle is very bullish. It's probably through 2020 into 2021. And I think then the election will probably uh, get in the way. But look, you could have a cyclical peak of like 3850 on the on the S&P all the way up to 4700. So it, it's an inflection point, And I think it's important. I think some of the intermediate term indicators are in track uh, for like a mid first quarter peak, you know, maybe even before that. So, you know, um, you know, I think the cycle peak will end up with a, like a two year trend reversal. So they'll, they'll beat it up a little. We'll beat up the market a little bit. But, you know, we we um, we looked over things and, you know, the bond yields are still at a, a, you know, we almost have like a triple bottom at, on the bond yield. So it'll be interesting to see if they pick up. And if they pick up, I think it'll be positive for the stock market because there'll be some inflation and there'll be some more stuff going on. So, but look, we just broke out of this four-year cycle uh, just, you know, like a month ago. So I think, you know, we got some time left in this cycle where, uh, you know, what you find is two years of the cycle, it's straight up, and then two years it goes sideways. So I think we got some time going straight up. And so I think this cyclical backdrop uh, remains bullish. And um, look, I was looking at the Citigroup uh, economic surprise, and it's still not at a really uh, high level where you have to worry about it. Uh, although the um, American Association of Individuals Investment bullish sentiment minus bearish sentiment is up there now. So we could have a corrective phase. Now, one thing I've been talking about is growth versus value. And, folks, growth broke out again. And I think, you know, one of the things that's happening is with the dollar rallying, people are putting money back into the ETFs from, from uh, overseas. So they're buying the S&P 500, okay, or they're buying the XLK, or they're buying whatever it may be. They're stuffing the money back in here. So it's a form of, uh, you know, uh, market uh, Marxism, we'll call it. Uh, but anyway, it's going it's going right back into those names, no matter what their P.E. ratios are. I mean, there's a couple software stocks that are breaking out that have P.E. ratios that uh, give me nosebleeds at this point. But it did turn, so I got to report it. And um, so therefore, uh, you know, look, there's a lot of the FANG names that are breaking out to new highs. That's new high. You don't argue with new highs. OK, that's simple as that. The cyclical versus defensive area, we are still seeing the cyclicals uh, outperform the defensive. Now, that'll be interesting as we go along this year. And I looked at the, uh, you know, like some of the international stocks and the uh, Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, uh, the EFA, you know, it broke out like I thought it was going to. Uh, this was a couple weeks ago, and I think it's going to continue. Uh, the only thing that bugs me is the relative performance. And I think the relative performance versus the S&P 500 will get stronger if and when the dollar rallies again. Uh, that's the same thing happened with Japan, where the, the, it looks like the index wants to break out, but you're not getting the relative performance. Um, China's the same way. The one thing with China, though, is the weekly RSI ranking, or the uh, relative strength index, has, has, looks like it's ready to break to the north. So uh, that, that's positive. And U.S. yields, 10-year yields, we've had three lows. Three lows basically at about, you know, between 1379 and 1.318. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what to tell you about that, but usually it's very oversold. I would suggest there could be a rally in in the uh, bonds. Remember, a lot of the reason people are buying dollars is to buy treasury bonds. That's how you buy treasuries or you buy U.S. bonds. You buy them with dollars. So if you're overseas and you got negative yields, you use dollars to buy our bonds, right? Okay. Now, copper looks great. It's all say, uh, like I said, you know, in, between, in the two weeks I talked about gold, I said, shine up the stuff. Uh, it, it literally went from uh, like 1470 to uh, 1566. <laughs> so that's a big move. That's a hundred point move. One of the things I did notice is gold's relative performance versus copper was lagging, but now it's a, it broke down the downtrend line. Also, the, the, the junior index uh, was up big last week, which, you know, we kind of talked about. And what I like it, like about it, 
its relative performance versus the larger cap index is there. Now, I'm starting to see growth accelerate in a lot of the Russell 1000 uh, growth and 1000 value area. Uh, I'm also seeing the Asia-Pacific area uh, starting to uh, emerge, shall we say. And um, Latin America is kind of lagging behind, but it's still there. Uh, the groups that I see accelerating are, are communication services, social media, Invesco, uh, and, and the dynamic media, and, and global communication services. So, you know, that means 5G in so many words. Uh, and, and some of the information technology I'm seeing in, in some of the, the cybersecurity stocks, the cloud computing, uh, networking, and uh, that type of thing. So um, a couple areas I really like, uh, this, this consumer, consumer discretionary, sorry, it's early, um, and S&P 500 uh, technology uh, still look really, really good. And I think I think it's going to go to an extreme one more time uh, before anything happens. Software is starting to break out, and the semiconductors have broken out and look like they uh, need to, you know, I don't think you want to chase them right at the moment. Wait for them, okay? Just wait for them. In the meantime, let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Martin Vester Show. Okay, we're back. Uh, you know, I mentioned occasionally that we do have the dividend growth portfolio. Our, our, uh, we also have our global best energy ideas. Like I said, while they're weak, uh, and I think they will be weak for a while, that's when you want to pay attention to them. Our global uh, income best ideas and our, our also 2020 investment stance, they're all available to you. And the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, uh, all of which, uh, believe me, People don't underestimate how important credit is. Uh, so we also have the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. The prime income list is great for people who like income and don't like volatility. Uh, it, they're really good. And you can go to WHK1420, uh, go to local podcasts, and then down to Tim Hayes' uh, Smart Investor Show. And uh, it goes right directly to my webpage. So from there, you can contact me, email me. You want to sit and talk about your portfolio, let me know too. All right, um, so now we talk about the bullish percent. And the bullish percent was designed as a uh, tool to let you know when the risk is higher, okay? When risk is very high and there's some other instruments that we use in com- uh, combination with it that help us figure out what's going on here. Now, uh, this is just a chart from 0 to 100. X's, we have an offensive team on the field. O, we have a defensive team on the field. When we get over 70, uh, it's, things are getting too hot to handle. When we get below 30, uh, things that's the green zone. Okay, So over 70 is the red zone, green zone. That's usually when nobody's talking to me. <laughs> um, so here we are. Uh, we were up big last week. We're at 63.2%. So we're closing in on 70. All right, so... You know, things are getting carried away a little bit on the upside. People, I mean, uh, Apple's chart looks like you could hang your hat on it. You know, there's a lot of that out there. Now, the small caps are still at 52.4, so they are only up 1.2. So that's still a good buying range. And the world index is at 49.9. That's still a good buying range. Um, So we have all the the bullish indicators are all in a column of X's. Most of them are in midfield, although, you know, it's 63. you got to... I think you want to, you know, start to pay attention. I don't think you have to panic or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it does uh, tell you how far we've come. And uh, from remember, back on October 1st, I basically said I thought we'd have a melt up. <laughs> it's a pretty good melt up so far. I mean, I think we're up 15 percent now. So uh, there we go. Now, look, most of the indexes have had negative momentum. Um you know, for a week or two, with the exception of the QQQs, and they're running those stocks big. And it's been four straight weeks of positive. So all the money coming in from bonuses or 401k plans are going into the market right now, and they're buying the S&P 500. And I don't know if that's really a good idea, um, my humble opinion. Uh, but it, it is trading. The QQQ is trading at all-time highs. And back when we recommended it, uh, it was at 182. It is now 215. 
That's a big move for an index. That's what we call melt up. Okay, so uh, it's got a, a near perfect score in the Dorsey Wright system of five point eight two percent, and it's very tech heavy. Uh, so, uh, you know, the question is, will the techs continue to lead the way? And don't know the answer to that. But one thing that's positive: this is the first time we've been over seventeen. You know, we've got over eleven uh, favored sectors. Then we got over thirteen. Then we were at 17 for a couple of weeks. We hit 20 this week, which is a good thing. It's spreading out a little bit. Now, we only talk about favored sectors because what we found in technical analysis is that favored sectors, you can buy the worst stock in a favored sector, and you usually outperform 90% of the other stocks in an unfavored sector. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the most overbought and then move to the least overbought, okay? So gaming is at 85 that's a big number. So you want to wait on the gaming stocks a little bit. Semiconductors are seventy-five. Uh, if you know you see some of these charts, you'll see what I'm talking about. Machinery, electric utilities, and steel are at seventy. You want to wait on those. Forest and paper products are at sixty-five. I'd, you know, you could look at those, I guess. Uh, building, leisure, electric uh, products, and waste management are at sixty. Those are in a bad position. Uh, retail and computers are 55. Once again, that, those are places I'd be looking. Biotech, drugs, real estate, healthcare, and transportation are 50. I think you can load up there. Restaurants are at 45. You can load up there too. Oil and housing are at 40. For the first time in two years, we don't have any sectors under 30. And we only have six sectors that are red. Uh, you know, two weeks, three weeks ago, uh, no, four weeks ago, I guess it was, we had 14. So that's very positive. So we do have, uh, you know, food and beverages and finance went to bull confirmed, but they're not favored yet. Um, the internet uh, media went to bull confirmed, uh, non-ferrous metals, oil, oil service, and telephones. So, uh, you know, they're they're not favored yet, but they are, you know, in good, good stature. So uh, there you go. Now, we had some big moves in some sectors. We had oil service go to average from completely unfavored, uh, media, same way, and business products, into to the lower sector of favored status, oil, drugs, and retail, and then all the way to the top were computers and electric uh, products. So uh, that's interesting. Now, if I looked internationally and I looked at uh, like some of the momentum uh, portfolios that I, I, I look at, um, you know, it's interesting to see where most of the international uh, stuff is. And it's, you know, if you look at the holdings, uh, you know, for most of these international stocks, uh, they're mostly industrial, consumer cyclical, and technology and real estate. So they're kind of following uh, U.S. where we are. And then, like, if I looked at the country uh, dispersion, uh, it's, you know, Taiwan's uh, a big a big scenario. Uh, it's usually you know fifteen to twenty percent of most of the portfolios I see out there. Uh, Thailand's twelve, Hong Kong's eighteen, United States nine, Brazil seven, uh, Malaysia five. You know, so uh, they've made some big bets on some big country uh, on countries. So they're really uh, they're not spreading out as much as I thought they would be. You know what I mean? Uh, so anyway, uh, when I look at fixed income. You know, I looked at the uh, convertible securities, which we talked about, by the way, back in October. <laughs> we, we talked for for five or six straight weeks about convertible securities, uh, and the two ETFs that I were taught, that I was talking about, uh, they were at twenty five at that point, a twenty five point five to be exact. They're now at thirty three point five. So you had a four percent dividend yield on those, and you just made uh, eight bucks on a twenty. That's twenty five percent. So pretty good call. Uh, but I also say that if I look, you know, the, some of the zero coupon bonds uh, have had some amazing returns in 2019, you know, 19, 19 uh, 20% in some cases. Um, but I looked at the, the U.S. Treasury yield, and it's still below its long-term uptrend line. Uh, and it, you know, it broke out in a double double bottom, then broke down, and now is reversed back up. So it's really, uh, you know, it's try, trying to figure out interest rates is probably one of the most difficult things uh, that you can do. Um, I did notice uh, that crude oil was 
positive for 11 weeks until Thursday, and it was down 10% or 5% on Thursday. And the commodity indexes were both up five weeks in a row. Gold was up five weeks in a row. It's very overbought right now, as I said, you know, um, on a relative basis. And copper was up six weeks in a row. Uh, and even corn was up four weeks in a row. So I think what the Federal Reserve has said is that they, they want some inflation. That may be what's missing from what we're looking for. So, you know, crude oil, um, especially the small cap crude oil area and the micro cap crude oil area, some of those stocks have been zinging. And a lot of them have been insider buys. Um, and that's what I've been trying to pay attention to, you know, uh, uh, where, where is the best uh, ideas, you know, for uh, – you know, oil, and it hasn't been in the larger cap stocks. You know, look, the larger cap stocks for you guys are looking for income. You know, the, basically the large oil companies are banks that just happen to be in the oil business. So their 4 and 5% dividend yields are great. Uh, but the, the price movement has been the smaller names, uh, the much smaller names. So the other thing we always talk about is relative strength. And I think relative strength is very important. It's just a measure of how a stock is performing when comparing to something else. And, and in this case, the S&P 500 equal-weighted index, not the S&P 500 uh, um, market capitalization-weighted index. Uh, by the way, as fast as that goes up, it can come down with some of these uh, big names that are going straight up start to come down. So, so what we do is we take a look at each day the stock's closing price is divided by the, the S&P 500 equal-weighted index. Uh, then the resulting number... Uh, is a decimal is moved two places then plotted on a point and figure chart. So when it gives a relative strength buy signal, it's a very important thing. Some of them can last a long time. Uh, Open Text is a company that uh, has been on a relative strength buy signal since 2002. Danaher since 2000. So the, you know some of these things can last a long time. Apache found a big oil well uh, off the off the coast of South Af- uh, South America. I'm sorry. So now they have that. I think they own that property. By the way. And they have the West Texas field. So if they ever get a West Texas field, uh, you know, they have a huge thing in West Texas, uh, but they can't get any oil out of it. So uh, Apache bounced pretty hard. It, you know, it's overbought. I'm, I'm not recommending it, but I just it's giving you a relative strength buy signal. Mobile Telesystems, uh, that's, that's a Russian ADR, by the way. Uh, and, and then Identive, uh, which is in technology, it's hardware and equipment, that type of thing. Quick Logic, uh, which these are all low price stocks for the most part. Transocean, which is an oil drilling and equipment services. Um, Superior Energy, another oil drilling company. Um, Synthesis Energy, which is uh, in industrial goods. Tesla, which made just a huge move. I mean, I, it, it's gone straight up. Uh, Asperian Therapeutics. California Resources. Uh, Immune Therapeutics. Nine Energy Services, oil and drilling again. Uh, and then we have our cell signals, and we only had three this week. Cancer Genetics uh, got killed, <laughs> so you don't have to worry. If it's too late. <laughs> uh, Xenia Hotels and Resorts, and then Granite Point Mortgage Trust. Remember, when it gives a sell, it doesn't mean you got to sell it. It just means you should be paying attention, okay? If you're a momentum player, you, you want to stay with the relative strength buys. If you're a, a value player, a relative strength sell is not the end of the world. It just means that... Hey, you better go check your fundamentals one more time and make sure, you know, that they have maintained themselves. In the meantime, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. I'll be right back. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And, um... We're going to talk about insiders here in a second because, you know, we, we start with the economy and move our way down uh, to more actionable ideas. Now, I'm not recommending any of these. These are ideas that guy, the insiders are buying, okay? Uh, I have my ideas. You have yours. Uh, if you want to use my ideas, come talk to me. Go to WHK1420. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show. And uh, you can go directly to uh, my webpage, and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, have a cup of coffee, sit down in my office, or meet you out someplace. Uh, I like to meet in the morning or in the late in the afternoon. And uh, just talk about your portfolio, where you want to go, 
Maybe start a wealth plan. Um, there we go. Now, look, we talk about insiders every week. They're a great source of uh, inspiration. And just remember, we're looking for big buys. We're not looking for small buys. We're looking for big buys. And we're looking for uh, or we're looking for multiple buys or additional buys. Okay, but most of the time we're looking for big buys. And here's something that's really interesting. Kayla Pharmaceuticals uh, starts with a K. We had uh, five or six execs buy 120,000 shares, uh, all officers of the company, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, don't know if they, what they got going or not. but uh, And then New Robo Pharmaceuticals, the chief medical officer bought 297,000 shares. Uh, E&H Healthcare, which is a 10% owner, bought um, 4.335 million shares. Uh, their investor fund already owned 1.2. We had seven others buy uh, stock. And then JK Bio uh, bought 1.8 million shares and bought another 240,000 shares. So uh, obviously something going on with uh, new robo pharmaceuticals. And here's an interesting one. Thermogenesis, which is in healthcare. The stock popped up uh, from 260 to 430, and the CEO bought 684,000 shares. Uh, he, you know, he 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 bought like five percent of the company. Is what I'm trying to tell you, uh, or he now owns five percent of the company. I'm sorry. Um, also, if if you look at uh, Town Sports International, these are all little stocks. So you see that people, are, the little companies, are getting more bullish. This is most. I've seen with little names being this bullish. But Patrick Walsh, who's uh, the chairman of the board of Town Sports International, club is a symbol, uh, he bought 4.3 million shares at $1.50. I think now he owns like uh, 8.7 million. Um, and then uh, Selecta Biosciences, um, Echo R1 Capital reported a 7.8% passive stake as of December 26th, uh, I'm sorry, 8th, can't read my own handwriting, um, and Broadwood, Broadwood Partners LP bought 1.391 million shares of Onconocyte, another small, these are a lot of small names, uh, they now own 13.7 million, it's not chump change, folks, here's another bioscience company, um, Katharia, Calathera, I'm sorry, Calathera Biosciences, um, a prime cap management company reported a 15% sac, uh, stake in it as of December 31st. So that's kind of interesting. And then we have um, Mosaic, Mosaic Acquisition Corp. The present CEO, David Mayer, bought a million dollars worth. And here's one that's interesting, uh, Salesforce.com. Uh, Susan Wojcicki who bought at 145 we reported on the show that she bought $2 million uh, ch- chunks, uh, just at a new high, bought $192,000 or, yeah, $192, worth. So here she is buying more. Uh, and then we had ConAgra, which, you know, was a really good idea at one time, and then they bought uh, a company, and the, the world didn't like it because they dropped it like 8 bucks. Uh but now they've taken that company, shaped it, formed it, and uh, broke out big. And on the pullback, uh, a director bought $868,000, and then two days later he bought uh, $491 shares. And here's a, a dividend play, if people like that. Golub Capital, a BDC, um, STRS Ohio, uh, which is a major pension fund in Ohio, bought $7 million worth uh, and it is just pulled back from 19 to, I think they paid 1821 for it. And then Lamb Wesson, which is a consumer good, they're, they're a food distributor, uh, at a new high, a director who, who owns quite a bit of stock bought $1.656 million worth at a new high. Love seeing that. So, uh, you know, it, interesting uh, times. We, we went through a lot of low price stocks, and then we had a couple big ones. Uh, but I'm seeing more and more of the low-priced stocks, so people are finally getting bullish about some of these things, which means some of the money's uh, starting to get into the economy, I think. Now, uh, 
you know, I was looking at some things, and I, I, I actually listened to both Bob Dickey this week and um, uh, Rob Schleimer. And uh, Bob said something, and, you know, he, he thought that the rally in oil had peaked. And the reason was was the big sell-off after Iran went after one of our naval base, or one of our bases and didn't hurt anybody. And uh, Mr. Trump said, you know, it's good they, you know, I think the danger's passed or whatever. So yet we would have had a clear breakout if we would have broke above 66, but instead we retraced uh, down into the 50s. So it was a big sell-off, a two-day sell-off of almost 10%. Uh, the one-day sell-off was about 5%. So, I, I, you know, he seems to think it was on high volume, and uh, so we may have peaked for a while, which, you know, when you have high-volume sell-offs, usually that's a, that's a peak. And then, you know, we were talking about the, the market, and, look, it's, it's uh, stalling a little bit at the old high, all right? Uh, so we have a uptrend lines, two uptrend lines, one for the lower, uh, the higher lows and one for the higher highs, and we're right at the top again. Uh, so we keep, you know, backing up a little and, and uh, whatever, but they've been unusually steady given the, the news of the world, and it'll be interesting to see if this is the last thing we hear, hear from Iran uh, Something tells me, you know, we've been doing this for about 55 years now. It's probably not going to be the case. But, look, uh, it, we continue to advance, uh, even with the ongoing concerns, uh, as if the market is looking beyond the headlines and seeing some better times that are not so apparent on a daily basis. Uh, apparently, the slow and steady pace of the economic and corporate uh, profit trends are enough to fuel the market, while other events that may not affect earnings are also having some impact. And you would think that would continue. But um, so, look, I think we're extended a little bit. And I, I said that and, you know, we started to fall off. Then it was kind of interesting. You know, I thought that what would trigger it would be the Iranian scenario. And we started to sell off and then we turn right back up. Uh, but I think the 401, the new 401k money and the new uh, money coming in from bonuses and that type of thing uh, really had a, a big measure in the market in the last week or so. But remember, as goes the first week, as goes the first day, as goes the first week, goes the market for the year. So, so far, we're looking pretty good. Uh, so if you count the half week or the full week, we're still looking pretty good. The first day was pretty good, too. So uh, that's important. I think what's uh, equally important is I'm seeing a lot of small cap stocks. And why am I talking about this? And, and uh, look, you wouldn't believe some of the short positions in the small cap stocks. And, and these guys think they're going to stay with this. They don't have to pay taxes on it. They've made their money. They don't want to pay taxes on it, okay? Now, how you short a stock is, say it's at 50 bucks. So you sell it first, hoping it goes to 20 so you can buy it back instead of going from 20 to 50, okay? And some of these small cap stocks, and especially in biotechnology and technology, have just, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, some 50 and 60% of their float. You know, you if you're short, you better hope there's not bad news because they're gonna uh, they're gonna hurt you uh, in a big big way. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's 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 important that you understand that. The other thing I think you need to know is Apple is now five point seven percent of the stock market of the S and P five hundred, and Microsoft is three point three four. The the bottom 100 S&P 500 stocks are 4.06, okay? 88.6% is the rest of the market. So two stocks are almost 10% of the market. And by the way, there's four stocks that represent 110% of the advance in the stock market in the last 20 days. Folks, uh, you know, look. I am not saying which ones that you want to sell or buy, but I just think you got to think about stuff like that in a big, big way. Because, look, the last three months have almost become parabolic. Uh, not terribly parabolic, but parabolic enough where we should have some kind of correction. And, um, you know, we, we've had some parabolic rallies in the past, and usually they've had a quick sell-off to, to alleviate the overbought conditions. So, uh, look, short term, um, I'm very bullish, but we're extended. Intermediate term, I'm bullish, and long term, I'm extremely bullish because I think we could go a, up a lot 
higher over the, the period of time. So what would I do now? Well, I always talk about the Savvy Investor's Credit Handbook. Uh, look, I think you got to take a fresh look at credit. you got to be able to evaluate your credit needs, manage your credit, use it strategically, understand cash flow. That's always important. we got our global best income ideas. We have our 2020 investment stance. We have our global best energy ideas. While they're down, okay, while they're down, and I think the dollar's going to rally. Uh, so short rally, then you, you want to pay pretty close attention to them. Uh, in the meantime, uh, look, uh, Jeffrey Gunlack um, is saying that 2019 was a, you know, was a weird year, and he doesn't expect 2020 to be as close. So I think what you have to be thinking is, look, you know, you got San- Sanders is making a pretty big surge right here with money. And uh, I don't know if a guy that went to Moscow on his honeymoon in the 1950s gets president of the United States, I, uh, that scares me a little bit. But in the meantime, what I would be, it's two years away. With two years, you can make a lot of money. So what I'd be thinking about right now is our dividend growth ideas, our global best ideas. Oil's down, okay? There's two type of oil stocks, the small caps. Those are the ones for the capital gains. So if you're interested in those, there we go. Or the large caps, which are the banks. They have big dividends. Look for the dividends, dividend growth and prime income. In the meantime, this is the Smart Investor Show. I am Tim Hayes. I hope you have a great weekend. Remember to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.